they eventually were listed as an endangered species, receiving protection under the newly created Federal Endangered Species Act of 1973. While the protection provided by the Endangered Species Act has led to the gray wolf population increasing throughout some states, the wolf is still listed as endangered, meaning wolves are managed by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services. Colorado has seen lone wolves coming into the state for a few decades, but it was only in 29 considerations from the stakeholder groups they represented. Together, these two groups helped with recommendations that CPW biologists used to develop a plan that considers both the social and biological factors necessary for a successful reintroduction. Did you know that this is not the first time that a wolf management plan has been created in Colorado? In 2004, a wolf management working group provided recommendations to the commission on how to manage wolves moving into Colorado on their own from neighboring states. So why can't we just use this as our wolf restoration and management plan? The answer is that the 2004 wolf management plan was created to manage wolves reestablishing in Colorado on their own, not for the process of reintroduction, which is what Proposition 114 includes. As you can tell, gray wolf reintroduction is a lengthy and complex process that ensures all stakeholders have a voice in the plan. There are many viewpoints, traditions, and motivations surrounding the reintroduction of gray wolves in Colorado, and they are all important to acknowledge. We need to address all opinions and concerns, as well as provide the tools and information necessary to effectively coexist with wolves. Findings from 47 meetings held by the stakeholder working group and the technical working group were used to formulate a draft wolf reintroduction plan that was presented to the commission in December of 2022. So it's important to start thinking about how wolves and people can successfully coexist. In our next video, we'll explore how we can live with wolves so that the needs of the gray wolf and people living in Colorado are both met. As we've journeyed together through this series to better understand wolves, we've learned about their biology and the process of reintroduction here in Colorado, including the important role of our stakeholders. But what happens when wolves truly become a part of the landscape? How can we successfully coexist? Wolves are mighty predators, able to take down large prey, including elk and moose. This is not only a thing of wonder for many, but also a cause of worry for some. Are they interested in more than just their prey? Are they interested in us, our livestock, or even our pets? Although prey like elk instinctively know to stay away from wolves, some people may be excited to see these wolves back on Colorado's landscape. While wolves may become more and more a part of the environment, the chances of seeing one in the wild is still pretty rare. 
Because of the low numbers in shy nature, hikers and backpackers probably won't have too many glimpses of these elusive creatures. Wolves, like most wild animals, also try to avoid humans. More often than not, you could see or hear signs that they are in the area, rather than get an actual view of one. When out on the trail, dogs can be one of our best hiking buddies. Wildlife usually sees dogs as a threat, but in some instances, predators like wolves may be a threat to our furry friends. One of the best ways we can help protect our pets, as well as our wildlife, is to keep dogs on a six-foot leash when hiking or inside the tent when camping. By keeping dogs on leash and secured, we can keep them and wildlife safe and unharmed. Wolves are known to kill livestock since they look similar to their typical prey. Research, as well as our past experiences with wolves, has given us several solutions to help prevent wolf predation on livestock. This includes techniques like removing food sources that can attract wolves and scaring wolves off with guard dogs or bright lights and loud sounds. Funny enough, tying red flags on a string has also helped to serve as a deterrent for a period of time. How, you might ask? Flattery lines, as they are known, have been used for several centuries to spook wolves, again keeping them away from a herd of livestock. Working with stakeholders is a key to finding solutions for both people and wolves. Colorado Parks and Wildlife works with all who are interested in and impacted by wolf reintroduction here in Colorado. This includes hunters, hikers, ranchers, and more. Local district wildlife management officers are available to help problem solve and find solutions when it comes to living with wildlife. For example, Colorado Parks and Wildlife already works closely with ranchers and farmers whose livestock have been killed by large predators like bears and mountain lions. This relationship will continue as wolves return to Colorado's outdoors. Landowners are provided recommendations and tools to deter wildlife as well as compensation to help financially reimburse livestock loss. As wolves become a part of the landscape, our job is to not only manage potential human and wildlife conflicts, but we also need to support wolves and other species to ensure healthy and sustainable wildlife populations across the state. Research is key to the success of coexisting with wolves in Colorado. This can be handled in many different ways, depending on the goals and what population numbers look like. One research technique we will use includes tracking wolves using collars to determine where they are traveling throughout the state, including if they move into other states. Wolves can be collared, particularly those that are reintroduced, but it would be difficult and expensive to collar every wolf that is out there. This smart predator is hard to capture since they tend to avoid people. Because of these challenges, other methods are needed to determine their health and movement. It may even take getting a little dirty. Other visual signs like tracks and dens can help us determine where packs may be located and if they're breeding. Scat, or poop as many of us know it, can also give insight into where wolves are, what they are eating, and even genetics. You can learn about the pack and who is related to whom. Did you ever think poop could be so helpful? Researching wolves sometimes starts not just with the wolves themselves, but the wildlife they depend on. Elk can be monitored to see how predators and other factors are affecting them. Since wolves tend to hunt more vulnerable or smaller animals in a herd, 
Researchers can compare elk calf survival rates to population sizes for wolves. Survival of calves depends a lot on their size and the overall health of the cow elk raising them. While wolves can still kill larger elk, the overall population of the herd is typically less affected by removing a larger animal, which is why monitoring elk calf survival rates can be a useful tool. Regardless if you're eager or concerned to see wolves out on our public lands, we all can make sure the outdoors are safe for people, wolves, and other wildlife by working together and keeping our distance. Thank you for joining me during this video series to learn about gray wolf reintroduction and what it means for Coloradans. Together, we have explored why it is important to understand the science, history, and the role of stakeholders in order to have a successful reintroduction. As you continue to learn about gray wolves on your own, consider the various viewpoints of different stakeholders and the needs of both people and wolves to help make wolf reintroduction successful in Colorado. You're going to need me. You're going to need all of us. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Hey, I'm Jesse Witten, a local radio DJ, live music promoter, and overall Colorado music scene cheerleader, and your host of Mile High Mixtape a music video series that brings you a look and listen to some of our community's biggest musical talents. Mile High Mixtape, only on Denver 8 TV. Denver City Council. Please stand by. Full coverage of your Denver City Council begins now. afternoon's meetings being interpreted into Spanish. Sam, would you please introduce yourself and let our viewers know how to enable translation on their devices? Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Hello, everyone. My name is Sam Guzman with the CLC, and along with my colleague Alejandro, we will be interpreting today's meeting into Spanish, and I will now give the instructions in Spanish on how to access interpretation. Buenas tardes a todos. Mi nombre es Samuel Guzman con la CLC. Y juntamente con mi colega Alejandro estaremos interpretando la reunión de hoy al español. Si desea escuchar uh, la interpretación en español, por favor vaya al icono de globo en su pantalla y 
que dice interpretación, oprima ese botón y de ahí seleccione la opción para escuchar en español. Muchas gracias and thank you very much. Thank you so much, Sam. Welcome to the Denver City Council meeting of Monday, January 22nd, 2024. Council members, please rise as you are able and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you so much. And council members, please join Councilwoman Parity as she leads us in the Denver City Council land acknowledgement. The Denver City Council honors and acknowledges that the land on which we reside is the traditional territory of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. We also recognize the 48 contemporary tribal nations that are historically tied to the lands that make up the state of Colorado. We honor elders, past, present, and future, and those who have stewarded this land throughout generations. We also recognize that government, academic, and cultural institutions were founded upon and continue to enact exclusions and erasures of indigenous peoples. May this acknowledgement demonstrate a commitment to working to dismantle ongoing legacies of oppression and inequities and to recognizing the current and future contributions of indigenous communities in Denver. Thank you so much. Uh, Madam Secretary, roll call, please. Alvidus? Here. Flynn? Here. Gilmore? Gonzalez Gutierrez? Here. Hines? Here. Cashman? Here. Lewis? Parody? Here. Lumera Campbell? Here. Sandoval? Here. Sawyer? Here. Watson? Here. Madam President? Here. 11 members present. Thank you. There are 11 members present. Council has a quorum. Approval of the minutes. Are there any corrections to the minutes of January 16th? Seeing none, uh, the minutes stand approved. Council announcements, are there any announcements today? Councilwoman Sawyer. Thanks, Madam President. Um, two quick announcements. The first one wanted to remind everyone that District 5 Projects Night is gonna be Tuesday, January 30th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Uh, at George Washington High School. So if you're a District 5 resident, come on out. It's an open house format um, with the opportunity to connect with a number of our different city agencies. I know we get so many questions in our office about things like, why is that road closed? Or when is my street gonna be paved? Um, so this is a great opportunity for you to connect um, directly with city agencies and ask those kinds of questions. So please join us. Um, Second announcement is actually a thank you. So this morning we had uh, hosted a group of eighth graders um, from one of our local middle schools here in council chambers to do a mock council meeting. It was completely awesome. Um, they did, uh, they debated two things. They debated whether there should be a ban on homework in school, <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> which was a great conversation. Um, and then there was a debate on whether they, we should ban weapons in schools, um, which was very, very interesting. And these kids are 13 and 14 years old and they had some extraordinary perspectives. Um, so nothing like that can happen without the help of staff um, and employees of the city. So I wanna give a huge shout out, not only to my staff who put it all together, um, but to my fellow council members who came and were the public commenters um, at the event and um, to our central staff that also um, helped out in putting it together. So it was a fantastic event and just wanted to acknowledge all of them for their hard work in putting it together. Thanks, Madam President. Thank you, Councilman Hines. Uh, thank you, Council President. Uh, two things, first, um, Denver Sister Cities is having their annual meeting uh, this Thursday. 
Uh, it's easier when I have my glasses on uh, to read this. Um, this Thursday from 6 to 8.30 p.m., uh, it is an annual meeting for, uh, for our sister cities and a celebration. And so if you, uh, if you want to learn more about Denver sister cities and celebrate all the sister cities that we have um, or learn more about them, then uh, please uh, come to the annual celebration on Thursday at 6.30, uh, sorry, 6 o'clock p.m., uh, I believe our mayor will have uh, comments at the uh, celebration as well. Speaking of our mayor, I have been on council about four and a half years, and I have never seen the head of the executive branch here in the legislative branch. So I want to thank you, Mayor, for being here. And uh, I certainly, um, our city has three branches of government, and it is amazing to see uh, the uh, coordination and collaboration between the various branches. Thank you, Council President. Thank you very much, Councilman Watson. Uh, thank you, Council President. And, and I want to concur, I think, with Councilwoman Sawyer. What a wonderful way to start the morning. And the debate that these young people had that Councilmember Sawyer and her staff brought forward, these were not middling debates. They were deep in dialogue on both of those topics. And I just thought it was such a wonderful opportunity. So thank you so much. Uh, so um, in a fine district nine, we have our second edition of Barbershop Talks. Uh, that will be uh, this uh, Wednesday at um, uh, House of Hair at 28th and Fairfax, starting at 5.30 to 7 o'clock. We're going to have discussions about impacts to um, what are some of the obstacles, what are some of the opportunities um, within the Black community and within the community at large in 2024. Our good friends here at Denver Channel 8 will be recording our barbershop talk, so please come on out, uh, community, if you're able to make it. Um, I'm going to be getting my hair chopped there as well, and so with other folks. So um, looking forward to a great night of discussion, food, and thought. Thank you, Council President. Thank you very much. Um, seeing no one is in queue. Uh, just to, uh, I think, further this conversation about how much our young people have to offer, Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez and I had the opportunity to uh, be the electeds at a Girls Inc. Town Hall on Saturday. And it was with their Eureka and LOL groups, uh, which is Leadership Out Loud. Um, so everyone from eighth grade through, through high school that Girls Inc. serves um, uh, asking us questions about everything from climate, homelessness, um, to immigration. Um, and these are things that they're living out every day as well. And so I really appreciate um, how much I'm starting to hear um, our engagement with young people come up through this body. Um, so I appreciate that. Councilman Hines, you're up. Thank you, Council President. Um, thank you, Councilmember uh, Pro Tem Sandoval for correcting me. The previous mayor did show uh, once. <laughs> like he was here. He was very here in the press. I have never, except for that one time. <laughs> so like, let's get the facts straight. I apologize for my straight. inaccurate statement and thank you for the correction and I'll own my mistake. But uh, still, it is great to see the collaboration between the branches of government. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you, Mayor, for being here. He's here for a very special proclamation. Um, and I thank all of our city leadership and city staff. So thank you all for being here, too. Um, seeing no one else in queue for announcements, there are no presentations, no communications, um, and we do have one proclamation being read this afternoon. Councilwoman Alvarez and I will read Proclamation 24-0002. Um, a thank you to city employees. Um, whereas 
on the first day of his administration, Mayor Mike Johnston signed and Denver City Council approved an emergency declaration to tackle homelessness in Denver with an ambitious goal of moving 1,000 Denverites indoors. And whereas Denver has simultaneously been responding to the multifaceted challenge of significant newcomer arrivals with more than 35,000 arrivals since December 2022, hundreds of new daily arrivals and more than 4,500 migrants sheltered. And whereas throughout these two challenges, city employees demonstrated an overwhelming commitment and generosity working tirelessly around the clock on weekends, holidays, and beyond traditional working hours to address critical humanitarian needs and support the well-being of our community. And whereas employees across the city have delved deeply into solving two of the most intricately complex crises with no single clear solution. These crises can unequivocally be declared as two of the most arduous challenges facing our nation today. And whereas our fantastic city employees showed their commitment to the well-being of our community through tireless efforts over the last six months and beyond. And whereas Denver City uh, employees have exhibited patience and tremendous kindness in assisting a city in transition, they have answered questions, provided direction, and dem demonstrated a deep understanding of the scope of their roles and departments. This includes facilitating community meetings, staying late to answer questions, de-escalating tense situations, and responding to hundreds of phone calls, emails, text messages, and in-person requests. And whereas employees, including the Department of Safety and various street outreach teams, go above and beyond visiting encampments to put a name and identity behind the person experiencing homelessness and identifying resources, using their purchase cards to reserve hotel rooms and their vehicles to provide rides to warming shelters on our coldest days. The fire department has also worked tirelessly to ensure that micro communities meet the fire protection safety requirements and are properly permitted. Our first responders work regardless of holidays and no matter how dangerous the weather conditions are. And whereas we'd like to thank the Ashland Rec Center employees who were essential part to standing up the housing navigation resource events during the holiday season when many people were taking time off. Whereas several outreach workers from host personally assisted newcomers at the housing navigation resource events by finding available housing, filling out apartment applications and providing numerous other resources for newcomers living in the Zunai encampment. In total, 122 households and 404 people, including children were successfully placed in housing because of this, th their amazing efforts. And whereas the willingness of the Denver City employees to go above and beyond in responding to the needs of others, bringing their humanity to work every day and tapping into their depth of knowledge is commendable. They learn alongside others on the journey and when it has been the darkest, the light of the employees of the city and county of Denver shines guiding others with compassion, laughter, tears, and hope. Whereas the unfailing commitment of city employees to connect every individual in need with housing resources, support, and services has resulted in a far-reach generous impact, significantly improving countless lives for generations to come. Now, therefore, it, therefore be it proclaimed by the Council of the City and County of Denver that city <laughs> that the Council of the City and County of Denver joins in recognizing the employees who have supported the House 1000 initiative and migrant crisis for the work they continue to do and the example they set as public servants for the City and County of Denver. That Thank the clerk for, of the City and County of Denver shall affix the seal of the City and County of Denver 
to this proclamation and that a copy be transmitted to Lana Dalton from the Office of Housing Stability, Tina Axelrod from Community Planning and Development, Kay Templeton from Denver Human Services and Director Armando Saldate from the Department of Safety. Thank you, Councilwoman. Uh, will you make the motion to adopt, please? I move to adopt Proclamation 24-0002. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Um, we'll start with some comments first before we vote and then hear from several of you that are here. Um, and I wanna uh, just thank you all. I was um, in the Agency for Human Rights and Community Partnerships for 18 years before joining Denver City Council. And so I saw very quickly after I left my colleagues um, being called to the EOC for COVID and not knowing how long that was gonna last or what a burden it was gonna take. Um, I saw it really weigh, I think, on city employees on what they were asked to do in the EOC and what they were seeing in community and then in their jobs. Um, so this, this thank you isn't just for the last year. It's been for the last four years that you all have been really stepping up. And I know that we appreciate this. I know our community does, but you probably don't hear it every day. Um, and you probably don't hear it as often as you need to. Um, so before I become a bubbly mess over <laughs> here, um, just a thank you so much. Um, the city couldn't be operational without you. We could not be responsive without you. Um, and you know, we, we couldn't continue on um, in the pride that we have for, for our neighborhoods and our districts and our communities without you. Um, so that includes several, we've named several departments in this proclamation, but it is inclusive of every single agency um, that spared an employee for EOC, that has volunteered a shift at a migrant shelter, um, that has helped out beyond the job that they were hired for in one way or another. So I thank you very much. Uh, Councilwoman Alvidrez. Thank you, Council President. <clears throat> Being a new council member um, comes with learning the city and how big the departments and how many departments are and how much the, all these different employees are doing. And I think that's where I look to someone with uh, that depth of and wealth of experience like Council President Torres to be able to see what has been happening. What I have seen is only the last half, although while um, I was on the campaign trail, I know some candidates were working for the city at that time and they were working triple time, trying to do all of the things. And, um, I've seen city employees tired. I've seen city employees coming in overnight and I've always seen them come in with a good attitude. And I think that's so commendable. I think it took, like council president said, such um, cross work from every single city department really to get this done. And that's been a beautiful thing to witness. So I just wanna thank all city employees, every department for all the amazing work that we've been able to do. Even people are finally seeing it. Um, so thank you. Thank you for all the times we don't say thank you. And thank you for all the complaints that you get and you don't get a thank you. Um, and I have been witness to some terrible treatment of city employees. And so I know how, ter how terrible the terrible side can get, um, but we truly have some amazing public servants here in the city of Denver. So thank you, Council President. Thank you, Councilwoman Parity. Yeah, I'm so glad um, that some of our colleagues brought this proclamation forward. And I think honestly, um, 
you know, who on council doesn't want to be a co-sponsor of this, right? Like you can definitely count all 13 of us um, because I think um, watching the last couple, I guess the past six months, um, you guys have been in an incredibly difficult set of circumstances. A lot of times you've had new leadership, at least at the, at the mayoral level, at the highest level, um, if not at the department level as well. Um, there have been changes happening incredibly rapidly, people from different departments trying to communicate, um, a new city council that you all had to orient and train to our jobs. Um, and those are the kind of circumstances in the face of some very real interlocking crises that I think are just really hard on human beings. Um, I, I'm sure that, that that has caused a lot of tension, that it has some, sometimes caused tempers to flare. Um, and so, you know, I know that it's been wearing just in every single way in terms of hours, um, in terms of difficulty, in terms of the stakes, in terms of a sense of political pressure, all those things. Um, I also know that at times, the, uh, city staff have been kind of the front line of honestly some really ugly behavior. Um, and watching you all in countless community meetings or um, in your interactions with the public at shelters, you know, all the places that you interact with residents of our city, watching you just maintain kind of your composure and, um, and also stand up for our values, which is that we don't think that people should die in the streets in our city. Um, and we don't think that, you know, someone is only the value of kind of their worst day. Um, we don't think that just because someone is addicted or has a mental health issue um, that we brush them aside. We don't think that it's okay not to welcome migrants. Um, you have been the voice in the face of that for months and months. Um, and I'm just so proud um, to work with all of you um, and, and really glad that we have the chance tonight to, to say that as a council because um, we don't all see all of you face-to-face -face nearly often enough. So please know um, how incredibly grateful I am. I, I will say one last thing, which is that campaigning in the city um, I heard just really loud and clear how much people are feeling the housing crisis, um, how much people are reacting to um, the crisis of unsheltered homelessness and people react to that in a variety of ways, how much people are concerned for the future of the city. Um, and so it's just been my honor to see what a good job we're doing. And I'm really grateful to all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Councilwoman Sawyer. Thanks, Madam President. I won't rehash, although can I just say ditto to everything that has come before me. Um, but I just wanna say thank you personally to all of our employees um, and, and the entire team. This was an extraordinary four years, um, right? Since COVID, um, but it, this past six months was an extraordinary lift and to have been successful in it, to have shown an entire country worth of cities, a model for how this can be done. I want you all to know you have done something extraordinary here. Um, something extraordinary that can be done, that can be replicated, that can be done across the country to address a challenge that frankly should be managed by the federal government, but it isn't being. It is left to us, the cities, to be on the front lines of this. And by us, the cities, I mean you, our city employees. Um, because, you know, as much as we are on the front lines, standing up there at community meetings and all of those different things, we signed up for that as elected officials. You did not sign up for that as staff members. And so for you to be out there, for you to be missing Christmas and uh, Hanukkah and all of the holiday, New Year's with family um, and friends, for you to be missing weekends, um, for you to be cooped up down in the emergency operations center, um, that is a, those are all sacrifices that you have made to do something extraordinary and you did it. And so 
I'm so grateful to all of you for all of those different things. And thank you so much and congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. Councilwoman Romero Campbell. Thank you, Madam President. Um, I just wanna say it is extraordinary. And oftentimes uh, I, I appreciate that you brought this forward. Um, we don't often take time to celebrate. And I think taking a pause to celebrate um, over the past, uh, well, it's been six, for me, it's been six months. Um, and you have all been doing this much longer. But again, just the time and the effort and the patience um, that you have all had for the many questions that have been brought forth for the, you know, um, the converging of so many issues or of two main issues, not only homelessness, but also a migrant crisis. Uh, it's been tough, but I also appreciate the amount of creativity, the patience, the laughter, um, you've been doing really hard work, but with, I think, a spirit of hope um, and bringing that forward. So I just want to say thank you. Um, I agree with everything that has been said um, previously um, from my colleagues here. And really, truly, I think in partnership um, with so many of the different agencies of, of really you all taking the time to um, be on this journey together. And so thank you. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you. Uh, Councilwoman Sandoval. <clears throat> Thank you, Madam President. Um, <clears throat> I was trying to figure out what to say in a time where words come short. Um, I've been monitoring this for over a year. I went down to the EOC with some of you. And what I keep thinking about is how sometimes we, bond, we form bonds under trauma. And it's during those really, really hard times that you look at each other and you know that you've been a partner to cry on. You've been somebody who you felt super frustrated and you called someone and were like, I just got to break it down for you because I'm about to talk shit to somebody else on this team meeting if they say one more thing. No, it's sending Sorry. <laughs> talk, talk smack. <clears throat> um, and I'll go Northside talk smack. Um, and how you do form a, that trauma bond. I did COVID clinics with Councilwoman um, uh, Torres and Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez, who is our state rep. And we call each other the jefas because of that. And we had a couple other um, Latinas and we have a, a bond and the five of us have a bond and we call each other and I can call any of them crying. And it's because we were there when we found out when we were giving people their first COVID shots and found relief. So just wanna say thank you and thank you Mayor Johnston for being here and thank you to all of the team members who were on endless calls with me for the um, encampment on Zunai. Um, that was something that I had never experienced in my professional career. I keep saying to my family, I've been pushed more in 2023 professionally than I was prepared for. And so you all lifted me up on days where um, I was crying at home when I had to take things home to my family. <clears throat> and these are jobs where you do take them home to your family. I know, cause I do. So thank you all to, and thank your families for supporting you during these really hard times. And thank your families for listening to you at dinner. And thank your families for you coming home really late, super stressed out and them just saying, hey, do you want something to eat? Hey, I love you. And all those friends that you made. 
And I'll end with this. Um, I always think of other people and inspirational quotes and it's author Maya Angelou who said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And city of Denver, you made me feel proud and all the people you impacted, they will never forget how you made them feel during this last year. So thank you so much. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you. Councilman Cashman. Yeah, thank you, uh, Council President. Um, so I've been, I've been looking at the city as a journalist and now as a council member for about 45 years. And on an average day, city employees work full-time. They work <laughs> full-time every day. Um, adding to that, the House 1000 initiative, they incredibly successful has 1000 initiative on its own would push things over the edge. And now with the, uh, the migrant influx on top of that, and this city's uh, commitment to be welcoming and to, to, to welcome people as best we can, um, has just is, is a load that it's really hard to comprehend if you're not behind the curtain at all. Um, I asked uh, the mayor recently after a, uh, a mayor council meeting, I, I said, so is, is this a full-time job you, you've got here? And, and I've, I've used the same corny line on a, a number of city employees. Uh, like I say, it, this is not the ordinary time. It's like, how are you? You see a look in the eyes of, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. It's tough, but I'm okay. And uh, uh, that, that is the deal, you know. Um, not everybody got to stay inside during COVID and not everybody gets to take weekends off um, regardless of the weather and uh, uh, the Herculean uh, job that, that city staff has done it, it really is that it, it's, it's kind of outside uh, what words allow me to take. You know, I go to neighborhood meetings um, on a regular basis and, you know, people are still, there's stuff we need to do. You, you don't have the advantage of saying, okay, we're going to put everything else on hold and just do House 1000. Put everything else on hold and just do um, uh, take care of the migrant influx. We got to pave streets. We got to pick up trash. We got to do all this stuff every single day. And, uh, um, I, I residents still, well, why is my trash not being picked up? Or why isn't this being done? And I just tell them, look, feel free to call and say, please do this. But will you please say thank you first? Okay, because people, people are working hard, still trying to get your stuff done. And the fact that if your trash is picked up a day late, it's only a day late is an absolute miracle. It is an absolute miracle that that our police are able to somehow maintain their temperament and the, the guy who is, is, is doing whatever job the city is tasked to do is doing it with any degree of good humor is an absolute miracle. So uh, just I just thank you to the men and women uh, of, of the Denver team. Uh, it's an honor to, to, to represent this city along with you. Thank you, Council President. Thank you, Councilman Watson. Uh, thank you, Council President. Um, as I 
kind of pause and think about the proclamation um, and the kind of words. There were specific departments that were called out, but as you look across the entire city and you think of servant leadership, and that's what each of you are called to do, and that's what each of you do on a daily basis. Uh, when we think of the calls that you received from any innocuous 311 call to uh, someone in, in dire need, whether it's from our public safety folks, um, you within the city, you step up and you stand up and you do the right things on a daily basis. I know a proclamation can't say the thank you enough, um, but thank you for all that you do and all the ways that you show your care for this city. Uh, I know the mayor throughout his uh, campaign spoke about a vibrant city. Um, we will only be and remain a vibrant city because of you, not because of the work of us elected shrubs up here or the in administration, but it's the continued support and leadership that you provide. And at times like this, when we stop and pause and we applaud your service, and then tomorrow we ask you to sacrifice even more. As we're looking at the city budget, many of you are looking at how that budget, that possible cut to you and your family is gonna impact your ability to do the things that you wanted to do in 2023. 2024, I'm losing track of years now. Um, but that's an important thing for us to remember as city council members. I applaud you along with the other 13 city council members, but I also commit that during this budget process that you will not shoulder the burden, the opportunity for ensuring this city can meet the needs for the folks who need us the most. That we as council members will look at this budget once again as a moral document and that we're going to demonstrate fiscal responsibilities in the way that we spend so that when we spend, our spend doesn't cut your lives and your family's lives and doesn't undermine the sacrifices that you make each and every year, but sometimes the decisions that we make here. And so I wanna applaud you all for all that you do. And I wanna recommit as a city council member that I will be focused on the work that I do to make sure I remove uh, any of the things that increase the amount of work that you have to do, that I remove the responsibility that another ask from us for you to cut your pay, that I remove these things and not just simply say thank you, but demonstrate it based on the work that I do as your council person. Thank you, council president. Thank you, councilman Hines. Thank you, council president. Two things, first, uh, what is the city but the people? Uh, some people might quote Shakespeare. I'm going to quote the web building. Um, at, uh, what is a city but the people? Uh, well, that is, uh, I mean, we have a lot of buildings here. We have a lot of buildings that some of us have planned, some of us have developed. Um, we have a lot of roads that some of us have planned or built for. Um, uh, but really, it's the people who live in those, uh, in those homes that, uh, that are in Denver, the people who work in the buildings, in the web building, in, in, in City Hall, uh, in all the businesses downtown and far beyond. Um, our city is uh, comprised of all of us here in this room. And, um, and so that, uh, but that quote has two meanings. First, um, the, the city as a whole, but also the city as a, as a government. Um, our city is comprised of all the people who make it go. And that's all of us. Um, and uh, in this case, uh, with the proclamation, really thank all of you for all you do to help us uh, be a successful city. 
The second point that I want to um, I want to mention our uh, current state treasurer. Uh, he was a state representative um, back in 2014. He was on the Joint Budget Committee, so he was setting the budget. So talking about Councilmember Watson and the and the budget, he was setting the budget at the state level, and uh, I started going to the Joint Budget Committee, and I I. Uh, after one of the meetings, he said, who are you and what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm Chris. So I just want to know a little bit more about how our government works, which is probably how some of you got involved in government. And he said, you know, the people here, they only come because they have an ax to grind. And, uh, and that's what some of my colleagues have talked about is that uh, we hear a lot of complaints, a lot of complaints. Um, and I'm uh, guessing that that many of you hear a lot of complaints as well. Uh, some of that is because uh, you go to places when people don't want you there, when in a traffic stop or um, uh, in a uh, cleanup, sweep, traumatic displacement, um, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, the protests of 2020. Uh, that was, uh, you know, all of those were in conversations. Uh, those were conversations that we were having as a community about what's the right approach? What is the right approach? And, um, and so the people who like what, the, what we're doing often just go live their lives. And, uh, and the people who don't like what we're doing, they, they're the ones who reach out. So um, I'm so happy to be one of the 13 co-sponsors of this proclamation because uh, we do appreciate you. We, as at me as a, as a resident in the city of Denver, as a citizen here, not that that's uh, totally relevant. Our undocumented appreciate us all as well, um, but um, uh, but it is important for us to recognize and say hi, and you are valued. So hi, you are valued. Thank you, Council President. Thank you, Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you, Madam President. And um, I wrote some remarks down because I don't want to forget anything that I'd like to say today. You know, having worked for Denver Human Services many years ago, um, but for you know a long eight years, um, I never would have thought that the department would be charged with sheltering and feeding thousands of newcomers here in Denver for over the last year with no relief in sight. And unfortunately, we're still in that phase, right? And um, I never would have thought that I would have been deployed to respond to shelters during COVID. I never thought I would have been deployed to um, you know, be at an encampment um, resolution. Never would I have thought that back in 2004. You're understaffed, under-resourced, and underpaid. And, and you know, I know how hard the staff there work because their jobs are are not only doing that, but you know, they're also having to look out for the welfare of our elders, the welfare of our children, of our families. <clears throat> Sometimes you volunteer for shifts, and this goes for all city employees, right? Sometimes you volunteer your time <clears throat> and you volunteer for these shifts, and sometimes you are deployed and you're doing what is being asked of you to help the people here in Denver. And for all of that, that's what I am incredibly proud of and grateful for. I admire your resilience, your compassion, and your patience. For those of you that I know who have been doing this 
for, I mean, we went out to the shelter, the Quality Inn, and I met with folks, Kay and Maria, and I was like, how long have you guys been here? And they said, we've been here for a year. And I was absolutely amazed that they have continued to do this work for a year and haven't said, I'm out, I'm done. There's no end in sight here. There's no relief. And for that, I thank you. Because I know that that work is incredibly hard. And I know that we still, and I say we, because we are also part of this city. We have a bumpy road ahead of us. And because of you all as our city employees, I have hope that we are going to make it through this together. So I thank you so much. Thank you, thank you Madam President. You bet. Councilman Flynn. Thank you, Madam President. It's, uh, it's difficult to be the last one to speak on this because in some way I have to, I can't top the things that have been said. I can only adopt the things that have been said by all of my colleagues and express my immense gratitude to the city workforce. I've known city workers who are dedicated and who do their jobs uh, thoroughly and with great dedication and with great compassion for more than 40 years that I've been in this building. So I can't top what was said, but I can point out and maybe elaborate a little bit, uh, not at great length, but just to say how nimble, how impressed I am that, that the workforce was so nimble enough to pick up not just one emerging crisis, but to implement a new approach to a long-term long crisis, homelessness. It strikes me it's like uh, trying to assemble an airplane while it's in flight. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of things had to be done on, on the fly. How do we do this? How do we approach that? Um, and it strikes me that you know, it's not over by a long shot. And maybe the, uh, the uh, one original thought I might add to this discussion by the other 10 colleagues here who've already spoken is to point out that uh, probably right now as we speak, there are a couple buses on I-25 coming up from Texas with even more unsuspecting people who don't know what they're gonna find here at the end of that trip. I'm very happy and thankful that they'll find a compassionate city that will do its best to find what is best for those individuals. Uh, it strikes me, uh, the mayor is here, it strikes me that this is really a national conversation as far as the migrant issue and the homelessness issue too, but speaking directly about the migrant issue, because sometimes it seems to me that there's, what we're seeing here on the streets of Denver and Chicago and New York and other places is something that, that grew out of a malicious intent, using people. And I hate to see that. I hope that Mr. Mayor, that with the other mayors that you're working with, that we can come to an agreeable method of welcoming people, knowing that they're coming, finding avenues for them to wherever it is they want to be, whether it's Denver or somewhere else, but to do it with compassion and humanity and not with malicious intent. Uh, Madam President, uh, I, really, uh, I really don't know what else to say. 
other than how grateful I am that you all have done what you've done and that you'll be asked to continue to do it. I particularly want to uh, echo Councilman Watson's remarks about taking care of our city workers as well, who have gone through this and will continue to go through it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Madam Secretary, roll call. Alvidus? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 11 ayes. 11 ayes. Proclamation 24 0002 has been adopted. Thank you, everybody. Um, we do want to invite some folks up for um, accepting this proclamation. And I think we'll start with the city uh, folks that we named in the proclamation. Um, and I think that was uh, Lana, uh, Kay, and, uh, is that? and Tina. and uh, the mayor and everyone thank you so much we are so honored i um, my name is kate templeton i am the uh, one of the deputy executive directors for denver human services and i've had the honor of working for um, the city and county of denver for 23 years and i cannot at any time have said that i am more proud of what our team has done and it's not just the team within human services it is the city team it is all of us together um, our motto within um, DHS is together, we've got this. That has never been more appropriate than going through what we have been through, um, not just with the migrant um, response, not just with the House 1000, but back into the times of COVID. Um, I have a great leader in Mimi Sherman who led that um, particular project to make sure that people were taken care of during COVID. Um, and she has continued to be that leader in this. But thank you so much for this honor. We have to date helped almost 38,000 people who newcomers to the US and newcomers to Colorado. We have been responsible for sheltering them, feeding them and clothing them. And it is an honor to be able to do that work and to be of service. Um, and I just am so thankful. I'm thankful for Anne-Marie Braga and for Claudia Chavez and Maria Cruz, who on day one, December 6, 2022, we were in the shelter setting up cots getting ready for what we thought would be um, a two week to a four week uh, challenge. And here we are uh, more than a year later and um, more and better work could not have been done. It is, is truly God's work that we are doing. And I'm so thankful to be a part of this. And thank you. Thank you, Kay. Uh, good afternoon, Council. My name is Lana Dalton, and I currently serve as host interim deputy director of housing stability and homelessness resolution. However, through much of the House of Thousand effort, I was also the director of unsheltered homeless response for host. Um, I have this lovely thing written out here that is um, been prepared uh, with very much thoughtfulness. But as everyone has said, like we've uh, built this plane in the air as we were flying. And so I want to respect that. Um, I really appreciate the thank you that's coming today. And I think all of these people behind me also appreciate that thank you. Um, it wasn't said enough, I think, throughout this uh, effort. 
And um, I think we really stand here today proud of what we did and um, just very thankful that you all are taking the time to recognize um, all of the work that everyone has done. When I was first brought back from maternity leave a little bit early uh, to in, in, uh, come forth with this effort, and I was told that I had to tell a bunch of people that have never done this work to start doing this work within a few days, it was not easy. And uh, all of these people behind me took that with grace and excitement. Uh, so much so that they got a group tattoo um, about commemorating the suffer. Um, and so I just mentioned that here today because that is the commitment that um, these folks of the city and county of Denver have to the city and county of Denver. And um, they're very excited to share that with you too, if you would like to see any of those tattoos. Um, and so thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm going to hand it over to Tina, um, who will go through some very specific individuals that we would like to thank. Thank you, Lana. Um, good afternoon. I'm Tina Axelrad, representing community planning and development here. One small piece of this very important uh, team-wide, city-wide effort. So again, um, thank you for the proclamation and the sentiments it's heard and it's appreciated. But I also want to take the time to express gratitude to the dozens of staff who aren't sitting behind us here from the multiple agencies who supported and played integral parts in these initiatives and, and not only from host and CPD and DHS, but uh, to those who you probably didn't even realize were helping on this initiative. And that includes um, in my own department, our inspectors who were out there guiding and ensuring everything got set up properly. And the many more supervisors and managers, and I'm sure this is true in all the departments and agencies here, because these were very senior people who were uh, committed to the EOC. And so to all those supervisors and managers out there in my department, my team, other departments who stepped in and filled the gaps and addressed the needs and took care of the emergencies and fire drills and answered city council questions and <laughs> did everything else while we were engaged in the EOC. Thank you very much. And then a really fast off the top of my head, and I, so sorry if I forgot any agencies. I'm not going to name the hundreds of people. Um, but general services and facilities management, like how much love do they get? But they did a tremendous amount. Our wonderful fire department, Denver Fire Department, ensuring that we did things right, even if it slowed things down a little bit and made things safe but still willing to compromise to get the job done at the end um, without any concerns for anyone's safety. Uh, Dottie, oh my gosh, what an incredible um, team from Dottie. Uh, they're project managers, they're contract managers who put together the sites and site prep and everything else you could imagine. Thank you, Dottie. Finance, yeah, like where, when do they ever get the love, right? <laughs> um, our real estate team, um, and you know, uh, them very well, but taking calls at all hours of the day and night, negotiating 
figuring out the dollars, figuring out the terms, figuring out tremendously creative deals. Mm -hmm. um, thank you. And then our contracts and procurement staff within our Department of Finance. You've never seen contracts put together so quickly. Maybe that's good, maybe that's bad, we'll see. Um, but I mean, tremendous, tremendous uh, creativity and commitment. Our city attorney's office, um, you know, you know, we love to hate our lawyers, but there they were along with us every step of the way, making sure that we towed the line and did everything right and wouldn't trip over ourselves. And they were wonderful. Um, DDPHE, uh, I don't know if anyone's here from there, but another well-committed agency to ensuring that sites and buildings were safe and ready for our new residents. Tech services, you know. What, they did something? Yeah, they did a lot. They were our data coordinators and data collectors and dashboard builders and GIS mappers, and they supported us every step of the way. HRCP staff, thank you so much to our wonderful folks at HRCP who ensured that all the questions about equity and accessibility were asked at the table every day, had special sessions just focusing on whether we were doing things with an eye on equity and ensuring all residents with all capabilities would be able to live in these places. Uh, Dito, yeah, they were there too. Did what they could, whatever it was we asked, they did. The assessor's office, were they engaged? Yeah, they were engaged too. Every, I mean, everywhere. They helped us with some parcel issues and you know, getting things cleaned up for contracts and legal descriptions. Our police department and wonderful chief of police who came to every community meeting, I think, and town hall. Um, even Parks and Rec's Rec and Arts and Venue for putting their facilities um, on the table for consideration in the midst of all these emergencies. Did I forget any agencies that were not mentioned? Because thank you so much. It took more than a village here. It was a tremendous citywide um, staff-led, staff-devoted, and uh, we're so happy to be able to deliver these results to the mayor to you, so thank you very much. Thank you, Tina. Thank you all. A million thanks, everyone. We have a quick bit of business to do, and then we'll adjourn, and hopefully I can get a picture with some of you. Uh, Madam Secretary, will you please read the bills for introduction? From the Finance and Governance Committee 23-2020, a bill for an ordinance amending the classification and pay plan for employees in the career service and for certain employees not in the career service. Thank you very much. Just one, council members, this is your last chance to call it an item. Councilwoman Parity, will you make the motions for us today? Yes, council president. Thank you, I'll do a recap. Under resolutions, no items have been called out under bills for introduction. No items have been called out under bills for final consideration. No items have been called out and under pending, no items have been called out. Um, all bills for introduction are ordered published. Council members, remember this is a consent or block vote and you'll need to vote aye. Councilwoman Parity, will you please put the resolutions for adoption and the bills on final consideration for final passage on the floor. 
I move that the resolutions be adopted and bills on final consideration be placed upon final consideration and do pass in a block for the following items. Um, item numbers 232022, 1898, and 2020. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Madam Secretary, roll call. Alvitres. Aye. Flynn. Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez. Aye. Hines. Aye. Cashman. Aye. Parody. Aye. Romero Campbell. Aye. Sandoval. Aye. Sawyer. Aye. Watson. Aye. Madam President. Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 11 ayes. 11 ayes. Uh, the resolutions have been adopted and the bills have been placed upon final consideration and do pass. Tonight, there'll be a required public hearing on Bill 1837, changing the zoning classification for 1034 South University Boulevard in Belcaro, and a one-hour courtesy public hearing on Bill 1939, approving and accepting the near northeast-northwest area plan, uh, which plan shall become part of the Comprehensive Plan 2040 for the City and County of Denver pursuant to the provisions of Section 1261 on the Denver Revised Municipal Code. Anyone wishing to speak on either of these matters should go online to sign up during the recess of council. And if there are no objections from members of council, we'll recess until 5.30. Before reconvening the regular council meeting, we'll provide a half-hour general public comment session to hear from the public on any city matter except for one scheduled for a legally required public hearing. General public comment will begin at 5. Thank you. Submit your comments in writing. Next session will be on Monday, January 29th. Sign-up begins at 11 a.m. on Friday, January 26th. Uh, we look forward to hearing from folks again. Thanks for attending and stay with us for the Denver City Council meeting in four minutes. ClimateCon is a dynamic platform dedicated to driving action and fostering collaboration to address climate change. Through its conference series and year-round initiatives, ClimateCon brings together thought leaders, experts, innovators, and changemakers from various sectors to accelerate the transition to a regenerative and resilient future. Cheer on the Avs as they face off against the Washington Capitals. Get your tickets now. Don't miss one of the region's largest RV shows and the only one with free admission. Featuring a wide assortment of RVs from van campers to travel trailers to large motorhomes and more. Check out more than 275 fully staged new and used RVs with special show pricing. There will be new product debuts, complimentary show bags, ultimate giveaways, industry exhibitors and RV experts. Mania, the ABBA tribute, takes you back in time by recreating one of the world's finest pop groups in a live stage performance. Enjoy the show on January 26th at the Paramount Theater. Tickets are still available. Enjoy a day of basketball with the MSU Denver men's and women's teams as they play against Western Colorado. Tip-off for the women's game is at 3.30 and the men tip at 6 p.m. To buy tickets and get free parking, visit RoadrunnersAthletics.com. Engage with art, experience on-site activities, and explore the art on view, all while enjoying free general admission. Tickets may be reserved in advance or at the front desk upon entry. You're invited to laugh with the women in your life until you cry or pee. 
Experience this truly brilliant and uplifting female comedy that explores the women's world with joy, heart, and intelligent wit. This fast-paced journey from girlhood to womanhood will reawaken the connections between you and your fellow gal pals. It's no secret that every woman deserves a laugh like this. That's a quick look at what's happening in Denver this week. And stay updated on all things Denver by checking out our socials. Welcome to your Denver City Council. Please stand by. Full coverage of your Denver City Council begins now. We are reconvened from our earlier session. There's no unfinished business. There are no proclamations being read this evening. We have two public hearings. Uh, for those participating in person, when called upon, please come to the podium. On the monitor on the wall, you'll see your time counting down. For those participating virtually when called upon, please wait until our host promotes you to speaker. When you are promoted, please turn on your camera if you have one and your microphone. All speakers should begin their remarks by telling council your name and city of residence. And if you feel comfortable doing so, your home address. If you've signed up to answer questions only, please state your name and note you are available for questions of council. You'll have three minutes. There is no yielding of time. If translation is needed, you'll be given an additional three minutes for your comments to be interpreted. Speakers must stay on the topic of the hearing and direct your comments to council as a whole. Please refrain from profane or obscene speech and refrain from individual or personal attacks. Councilwoman Parity, will you please put Council Bill 23-1837 on the floor for final passage? I move that Council Bill 23-1837 be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you very much. And that's been, oh, I think our screens need to update. There we go. Let's get a motion and a second, please. There we go. Um, it's been moved and seconded. The required public hearing for Council Bill 23-1837 is open. Um, and we have the staff report. Hi, Andrew. Good evening, council members. Uh, my name is Andrew Webb. I am here from uh, Community Planning and Development uh, to present this proposed rezoning at 1034 South University Boulevard. I am filling in for my colleague, Fritz Lawson, uh, this evening, who is out uh, sick today. Uh, <clears throat> I'll start with a little summary of this request. Uh, so this is a proposal to request, or this is a proposal to rezone uh, this property on South University from ESUDX uh, to ESUD1X. That is a single unit uh, zone district in the urban edge uh, context and the proposed zoning would allow the same thing plus an accessory dwelling unit. The property is in council district six. It is in the uh, Belcaro neighborhood. 
And as you can see on this slide, uh, the uh, surrounding zoning is primarily that single unit uh, ESUDX on the east side of university, and then USUC, uh, uh, a different uh, flavor of single unit zone district to the west of university. Uh, the uses in this uh, land uses in this area are primarily, as you can see, single unit residential. Do have some uh, uh, commercial uses, of course, over on uh, Gaylord there to the west, uh, and a little bit of multi unit at some intersections and uh, the park up to the northeast. This slide shows uh, uh, the subject site there at the bottom right. Uh, plus some images of development proximate to the site, including uh, development uh, at the nearest intersection there, just up, to, uh, up the alley. Uh, informational notice uh, was uh, sent out for the receipt of this application in uh, uh, September of last year. Uh, planning board notice went out in October and a planning board hearing was held uh, in November, at which time the board unanimously recommended approval of this proposed rezoning. Uh, this rezoning uh, was at the council's Ludi committee in early December, and uh, here we are at uh, uh, today's public hearing. Uh, we have received uh, uh, originally five comments uh, uh, in opposition, citing concerns primarily about traffic and parking. Um, one of those uh, commenters has since retract retracted their comment as reflected in the record that was included as an attachment to the staff report. Uh, so as you're aware, to uh, adopt a rezoning, the, the staff and city, ultimately city council must find that the uh, proposed rezoning is consistent with these five criteria from the Denver Zoning Code. Uh, with regard to the first criterion, consistency with adopted plans, there are two plans that impact this site, Comprehensive Plan 2040 and Blueprint Denver. Uh, this proposed rezoning to allow an accessory dwelling unit would uh, forward um, many recommendations and policies from the Comprehensive Plan. Uh, calling for uh, additional diversity of housing and opportunities for wealth building. Uh, it implements uh, Blueprint Denver's uh, identified future neighborhood context of urban edge at this site. The future place type in Blueprint is residential low, uh, and so uh, accessory dwelling units are consistent with that future place type recommendation. And the site falls within the, uh, the all other areas of the city uh, uh, as part of the uh, growth strategy where we expect to see primarily residential growth. This proposed rezoning would uh, result in the uniform uh, application of the ESUDX zone district at this location as it would anywhere else. It would further public health, safety and welfare by implementing our adopted plans. Uh, the, the justifying circumstance here is that uh, a, a recent plan recommending accessory dwelling units, uh, that being Denver Blueprint, has been adopted. Uh, slide covers that. Uh, and this proposed rezoning is consistent with the neighborhood context zone district purpose and intent as stated in the Denver Zoning Code. Uh, so with that, uh, CPD finds, uh, recommends approval based on a finding that all five re review criteria have been met. I believe the applicant is available online and I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, we have three individuals signed up to speak this evening. Um, if uh, you're here in person, actually I believe everybody's virtual, so I'll skip that piece. Uh, we will start with Spencer Horn, who I believe is the applicant. Yeah, uh, hi city council um, and Bonnie Bright neighbors. Uh, my name is Spencer Horn. 
I have owned and lived in my house at 1034 South University Boulevard for just over three years. I'm a small business owner. Uh, at the beginning of COVID, my company completely dissolved and uh, you know, me being one of their employees was laid off. And since then I've started a small business uh, with the aim of helping uh, local businesses here in Denver uh, grow their company through affordable and oftentimes complimentary marketing services. Um, I try to be a good neighbor. I try to help local businesses. I love my community. Uh, I love the Bonnie Bray neighborhood. Um, you know, for the years that I've lived here, um, I've come to know and love a lot of my neighbors. I've read your letters of concern and I want you to know that I hear you and I have a deep respect for these concerns. Um, they're concerns that I hold as well. Um, I'm speculating, but I believe that a lot of you are envisioning swaths of Airbnbers and some traffic coming in and out of the back alley, congested parking. Um, I assure you that's not going to be the case. Uh, I hope to always live in Bonnie Bray. And this proposed rezoning is simply my solution to making that possible. Um, rentals, real estate, construction costs continue to rise and price out small business owners like myself. Um, you know, this proposed rezoning is really just to allow me to uh, continue living in my house. Um, I don't have any sort of construction aspirations. I've spent my entire life savings and am paying that back every month. Um, I don't come from a lot of money. And, uh, you know, as I get older, I won't be able to afford to live in my own house uh, unless I rent that out. So this is simply a solution for that. And, um, you know, in terms of construction, have any plans for construction, but I hear your concern on that. Over the past three years, there's been uh, three major construction projects, one of which directly behind my house. You know, I'm not all, all of those are great people, but, um, you know, I'm very familiar with the construction in the back alley. Uh, and I just want to say, you know, if any neighbors are watching this right now, um, please come by and see me. I'd be happy to speak with you. Um, your, my relationship with you is very important. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Jesse Harris. Yes, good, good evening, members of the council, those watching at home, those in the council chambers. My name is Jesse LaShawn Paris. I'm representing for Black Star Action Movement for Self-Defense. Positive Action Commitment for social change, as well as the Unity Party of Colorado, the Northeast Residents uh, Council or Coalition or whatever they're going by these days. Uh, Frontline Black News, Shabaka's Black Experience Enhanced, Shabaka, uh, the Revolutionary Agenda. And I live in Chantel Lewis's district of District 8 at the Roach Bedbug and Mice Infested Fusion Studios. I'm in support of this rezoning this evening, um, as I've been in support of several rezonings over the last, what, four or five years now, um, since I ran for city council at large uh, in 2019, where I got almost 15,000 votes with no money. So I'm still in support of them. Um, I'm glad the occupant 
addressed a lot of questions that I usually have in regards to this rezoning, um, because that is a major concern that these are being used as uh, short-term rentals in Airbnbs and and the like. So that's uh, refreshing to hear. Um, and this is a small business owner, and according to him, he didn't grow up with a whole bunch of money or around a bunch of money, so he kind of knows what it's like to struggle in this country, so I can respect that. So um, I'm happy to hear that y'all working on these criteria, um, which that you use to approve these rezonings. That is a plus. That lets me know that I'm actually being heard and actually being seen and not just getting told lip service and nothing actually gets done. So that's also refreshing. So with all of that said, I'm in support of this rezoning. Uh, thank you, and uh, I'll see y'all in the next one. And our final speaker is on Zoom, Alejandra Castaneda. Hello, good evening, council members. Um, this is Alejandra Castaneda. I live in District 1 with my daughter, Violeta. Um, we are fortunate to have a stable home that keeps us warm in the winter. Um, and I wanted to say that I'm also in support of this rezoning, like Mr. Paris said. I'm also excited to hear that you're working on making this process, uh, streamlining this process, so it doesn't have to be a one by one, so that we can build abundant housing in our uh, city, on every city block, uh, so that we can you know, really um, address the housing um, accessibility and uh, crisis that we're having, homelessness crisis with the newcomers as well. I just received a newsletter from one of my at-large council members. Um, we really need to do as much as we can to urgently address um, the shortage of housing in our city. Um, and this rezoning will help a little bit, but hopefully we can do this by having ADUs everywhere in the city, duplexes, triplexes, and more and uh, so that everybody has access to a healthy and dignified home. So please vote yes to approve this rezoning and have a restful evening. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you very much. Um, that concludes our speakers. Are there questions from members of council on Council Bill 23-1837? Okay, seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Are there comments by members of council? on bill 1837 we'll start with councilman cashman yeah thank you madam chair i i do find that this application meets the requirements the criteria that we're uh, charged with examining uh these applications by you know the, we frequently hear concerns about the openness door is going to be an overwhelming number they're going to be in every yard and the, the cities that we study that's simply not the case you know we do find they, they do get built, you know, in some numbers. People use them for intergenerational living uh, to uh, rent out long term for uh, to add to their household income. And some uh, it is legal now in Denver to use ADUs as short term rental. I've said plenty of times, you know, my gut reaction is I don't like them used for short term rentals. But in my conversations with our Office of uh, Excise and Licenses, they say that their complaints don't come from accessory dwelling units, but from large houses that, that can sleep six, 12, 15 people and turn into party 
addresses. So, as I said, I do believe this meets the criteria. I will be supporting it and urge my colleagues to join me. Thank you very much. Seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, roll call, please, on 23-1837. Alvidus? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Parody? Aye. Romero Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 11 ayes. 11 ayes. Council Bill 23-1837 has passed. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Councilwoman Parody, will you please put Council Bill 23-1939 on the floor for final passage? I move that Council Bill 23-1939 be placed upon final consideration and do passed. Thank you so much. And that has been moved and seconded. The courtesy public hearing for Council Bill 1939 is open. Uh, may we have the staff report? Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Sung Han, uh, Senior City Planner and Project Manager for the Near Northwest Area Plan. Um, I will be speaking and presenting on the plan, but I also rec want to recognize uh, my amazing uh, neighborhood planning team of city staff and consultants back there. Um, so for tonight, um, this is the agenda that I will cover. So we'll provide a brief overview of the plan area, the specific contents of the plan itself, and go over the adoption review criteria, uh, concluding with the staff recommendation to approve the near Northwest area plan. So just an overview of the plan area itself um, includes four neighborhoods, all within Councilwoman Amanda Sandoval's district, District 1, um, starting from the north, Chaffee Park, Sunnyside, Highland, and Jefferson Park. Uh, with respect to the specific plan contents, uh, this is the table of content of the plan. Uh, we start with the introduction, uh, followed by the four main components of our neighborhood plans, uh, which includes land use, housing and economy, mobility, and quality of life infrastructure. Um, then it's followed by uh, specific sections that cover each of the neighborhood uh, specifically, and uh, lastly, the implementation section. So for the next several slides, I'll cover and highlight some of the key pieces of information and recommendations coming out uh, each, from each of the sections. So in the intro, uh, one piece of information I do wanna highlight is the executive summary. So the executive summary includes uh, the key themes we heard throughout the process that became our plan goals that set the foundation for the plan. Uh, so the first is supporting uh, long-term wealth building and access to affordable high quality housing options. Uh, second, nurturing great places uh, by celebrating uh, the history and diverse culture of Northside and ensuring new places are well-designed as well. Uh, third, uh, supporting uh, neighborhood, long-term neighborhood businesses, attracting new goods and services in the area where they don't exist today and connecting job opportunities for residents. The fourth is improving multi-model um, options and safety so that it's easier for pedestrians and cyclists to get around the neighborhood. Um, and lastly, is supporting the health and well-being of neighborhoods by reinvesting in our parks, rec centers, and making sure that residents have access to the resources they need to be able to live a healthy and thriving life. So moving on to the meat of the plan, um, the plan contents of land use and built form. Um, this section really helps define the vision for our built environment 
Um, so the bullet points here specifically talk about our mixed use and commercial areas. Um, so the first uh, key recommendation is to really promote more thoughtful growth that aligns with the values of the community. And that is uh, allowing higher intensity growth uh, near transit services, uh, such as along Federal and 38th, um, and allowing for a little bit more of a moderate intensity growth interior to the neighborhood uh, within those existing uh, mixed use and commercial areas. Uh, the second is within those areas to really elevate uh, the design of both the buildings but the streetscape so that they can serve as uh, the central gathering spaces for neighborhoods. Um, and the third, again, going back to uh, the, my, uh, my previous comment about history and culture is making sure that we preserve and celebrate uh, many of the places that are cherished by the neighborhoods today. So as you know, uh, the North Side has a strong history of uh, the streetcar network um, and many of those older buildings uh, that uh, have many of the small businesses are really cherished by the community today. So really treating them as an, a, a cherished asset from, to the community. Uh, and the second part of land use and bill form is increasing housing options along our major corridors. Again, think about Federal and 38th Avenue, but also within the low uh, residential areas interior to the neighborhood, uh, developing missing middle housing strategies that balance preservation, but also promote a compatible infill that's able to house uh, more units in the future, all while promoting affordability. Moving on to housing and economy, uh, economy we have uh, policies in place to, again, uh, speaking to the supporting wealth building, preventing displacement. Um, recommendations include working with community land trusts or developing a land trust specific to the neighborhoods themselves, uh, making sure a network of social services exists uh, to be able to serve our vulnerable populations, uh, supporting our local businesses to finance, uh, including financial support and increasing the capacity of the different neighborhood businesses, uh, business districts that, uh, that exist in the neighborhood and jobs to be able to preserve and create new job opportunities for residents. Uh, moving on to mobility, again, how we improve uh, safety and make it easier, more convenient to get around the neighborhood. Uh, we have a section called Balanced Corridors, uh, which really look at the main connecting streets of the corridor where people want to prioritize pedestrian safety and improvements. Uh, we've also heard a lot about bikeways and trails in the neighborhood. So improving existing bikeway systems, but also identifying new opportunities for bikeways. Uh, there's a, a concept of a connectivity loop and urban trail system that pairs our mobility improvements with uh, green infrastructure improvements such as tree plantings to make it comfortable and easier to get around and a host of other recommendations that really focus on placemaking and making it, uh, the street safer for people. Moving on to quality of life, uh, reinvesting in our parks and uh, rec centers, uh, making sure we are partnering with organizations to really promote uh, culture and celebrate the history of the area. Uh, these recommendations include uh, looking at improvements to existing park space, but also creating new park spaces to serve our growing populations, uh, expanding exis existing rec centers, uh, and addressing food access, particularly where we've heard this to be an issue such as uh, the neighborhood of Chaffee Park. Um, so uh, the second to last section is our neighborhood section. Uh, one of the key components of the neighborhood section is a key opportunities map, which highlights some of the more relevant 
and priority recommendations for each of the neighborhoods and identifies specific recommendations that are more unique to the neighborhood themselves. And the second part of the neighborhood section is our focus areas. So these are places that require additional attention and guidance to help achieve a lot of the plan goals we articulate in the plan. Uh, they're also paired with illustrative drawings to showcase how different plan recommendations from mobility, land use, and quality of life all come together to help accomplish the vision for the area. Lastly, uh, but not least, is the implementation section. Uh, based on the three categories of, of implementation from regulatory adjustments, uh, public investments, and partnerships, we aim to identify uh, key priorities that we've heard from the community to really elevate the recommendations that we think uh, we uh, deserves uh, attention and priority first. And so now I'll go over the review criteria for adoption. So as just as a reminder, uh, when evaluating, evaluating plans to be adopted, um, we uh, consider three criteria uh, that one, an inclusive community process was used to develop the plan the second, that the plan is consistent with our comprehensive plan 2040, and that the plan demonstrates a long-term view. So I'll go over each of those criteria and how our plan and plan process achieves them. So just as a reminder, we kicked off this process in the summer of 2021, uh, starting the adoption process end of last year, um, and here we are with the uh, courtesy public hearing. Here's just some photos from our engagement process. Uh, at the top left is a community workshop we held in Jefferson Park. Top right is a focus engagement um, effort we led at Quake Newton. And a variety of photos on the, uh, on the lower half of the page there of community workshops, working with youth, and doing pop-up events. So really when we think about engagement, we approach it in two ways, uh, traditional engagement and focus engagement. So traditional engagement is where we've held workshops, conducted online surveys and have asked uh, people to engage with us. And, and focus engagement is making sure that we're intentional we're, with our resources and time to make sure we hear from uh, our most vulnerable populations and people that do not uh, participate in our planning process, processes. Uh, so for traditional engagement, we held a variety of in-person and virtual open houses, uh, virtual roundtable discussions, online surveys, uh, conducted a resource fair, um, and also office hours. So that led to a total of 28 community workshops, 27 steering committee, 27 steering committee meetings, or 2,300 interactions, 2,100 uh, online surveys. So with focus engagement, one of the unique aspects of this, of our process was the leveraging the promotoral model with our partners at um, Colorado Change, Mar Change Makers Collaborative. Uh, they've conducted a lot of pop-ups and intercept surveys to really engage with our Spanish speaking populations and lower income residents. Uh, we also led a variety of focus groups uh, to hear from other uh, folks such as our youth um, and we'd conduct conducted a numerous amount of community events and attended pop-up events. Uh, so in total, we've had uh, 74 community events and uh, 74 community events or pop-ups we attended in the community, uh, 14 focus groups, uh, a little over 400 intercept surveys and many hours of promotoral hours out in the community to really engage and hear from those residents. So the finding is that the near Northwest area plan was developed through an community process. 
So moving on to our second criteria of plan consistency, uh, we found over uh, close to 50 goals of uh, consistent with the comprehensive plan 2040 uh, and multiple strategies underneath them. And with Blueprint Denver, we found um, a little under for a little over 40 policies that are consistent and as well as multiple strategies underneath them as well. So we find that the near northwest area plan is consistent with comp plan 2040 and blueprint denver and as for the, our last criteria for long-term view uh, <clears throat> we believe that the near northwest area plan um, demonstrates a long-term view by having a 2040 planning horizon um, establishes a cohesive vision for our built and natural environment and the ways we get around um, and it has an aspirational vision and implementation strategy that company is it uh, for so that we can continue to achieve the plan over time. So our finding is that the near Northwest area plan has an appropriate long-term perspective. Um, and finally, our staff recommends that the city council adopt the near Northwest area plan. And I'll conclude my presentation there and leave it with the committee. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tom. Uh, we have uh, three speakers signed up uh, this evening. We will start with uh, Nola Miguel. Good evening, council members. Um, my name is Nola Miguel, and I was a part of the steering committee as a, a Chaffee Park, one of the three representatives from the Chaffee Park neighborhood. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about my experience in the steering committee some of the things that I felt really passionate about within the plan and, and um, just some of a little bit of the experience of being part of the committee. Um, I think it's really hard to be a steering committee member because um, first of all, you're volunteer and you're doing that on top of everything else you're doing. And then um, feeling like, are you representing what your neighbors want and, and all those things. And then we're planning for three years, almost three years <laughs> and we're not getting to do. And for me, I like, to do, um, so it's really hard to talk and talk about things. Um, and then having all those conversations in the neighborhood and having a hundred things brought up, but then only a couple of those are represented in the plan, that's tough. But I think this is a point in time that's represented and it's really critical to pass this forward um, at, at this point in time. These neighborhood plans are always a point in time. It's, it, you know, it's hard to continue to reflect as the neighborhood changes or things happen, but, um, one of the most things that I was passionate about and the reason that I wanted to serve on this committee um, is on page 59, if you're looking at the plan and where it talks about the loss in the Latino population in the neighborhoods. Um, it, between 2019, it went down almost 40%. Um, that is something that we should be talking about. That's something that we should be taking action on, um, not to mention the price, how much the prices of homes have gone up during that time period. Um, and just the overall income level. And this is what happens when we don't have strategic plans for how we're figuring out how to shift these things, how to keep people in the neighborhood. Um, another big reason I wanted to participate is, is Quig Newton, um, which is the largest uh, public housing area in the entire state. Um, and what's gonna happen there and how is that gonna change and how is that gonna be equitable and how can we incorporate affordable home ownership, for instance, in addition to maintaining um, the affordable units that we have there now and increasing them. Um, but having that variety of homes, because right now we have 
very, very low income people surrounded by very, very high income people all around on the north side now. Um, so the community land trust recommendations, of course, I had a little bit of influence over that, <laughs> um, but I think they're really, really critical. And to see this in the plan is something that, that I'm very proud of and something um, that is a tool that I hope the neighborhood can continue to use. Um, it can help with commercial preservation, it can help with historic preservation, and of course, affordable home ownership and, and affordable rental. Um, but it's a really great tool, but it has to be driven by people. It has to be driven by the neighbors. If the goal is to bring people back to the neighborhood or keep people in the neighborhood, that has to, then it has to be run by those people that want those goals. And so there's still a lot, a lot of work to be done. We can say, yes, let's have a community land trust, but all the work that has to be done to do it is, is super critical. We also need citywide strategies that support community land trusts, um, like tax incentives, um, like zoning allowances, entitlements that can go to community land trusts, um, land, city land going into community land trusts. So those types of things that can really make things happen. Um, no, we're out of time. Am I over? Okay. But we may, call, we may call you up during questions okay. to hear what else you had to say. Thank you. Our next speaker joins us on Zoom, Jesse Paris. Yes, good evening, members of council, those watching at home, those in the council chambers. My name is Jesse LaShawn Paris, and I represent the Black Star Action Movement for Self-Defense, Positive Action Commitment for Social Change, as well as the Unity Party of Colorado, the Northeast Denver uh, Residents Council, a Frontline Black News, Shabaka's Black Experience Enhanced, the Revolutionary Agenda. And I reside in Northeast Denver, specifically Northeast Park Hill, in Chantel Lewis's District of District 8 at the Roach, Bedbug, and Mice Infested Fusion Studios. Now, uh, with these plans, since I've been a tenant city council for like eight years now, right? Um, I'm pretty familiar with a lot of these plans and how they went about. Now, this 2040 plan, I distinctly remember it being passed at the very last minute before the new council uh, took effect in 2019. And um, I distinctly remember me being like one of a few people that were like, look, we need more time for this. And the council at the time just went through and approved it anyway. So that's the criteria that we have to go by. Um, it is very good to hear that y'all did do some uh, engagement with the neighborhood. Um, and you have uh, NOLA on, on your side. That's a great thing, especially with the GES coalition and the fact that there needs to be a community land trust in all of these districts, specifically in the Black and the Latino um, districts of the city. So um, I resonate with everything that Nola said, like in my neighborhood, on my side of town, Northeast Denver, we've had a dramatic decrease in the black population as a result of these plans um, over the last 20, 30 years. So if we're really trying to address the rampant gentrification, more like ethnic cleansing, that's going on in all areas of the city. Um, we need to take account notice of all of that and and make those effective uh, changes to mitigate and eliminate that. If we're going to really preserve the culture and and the legacy of the people that made that community what it was, 
uh, for instance, the Harlem of the West. Five points. Black people are the reason why it got that title and was named such. And you have murals on the wall of black people, but you don't have black people living in that historical district. So I would hate to see that happen with this. But I'm in support of this. Thank you. Thank you very much. And our last speaker joins us on Zoom, Mike Blake. Hi there. Um, my name is Mike Blake, and I live in the Jefferson Park neighborhood. And I bought my home here back in November 2010 and uh, plan to retire here. And like NOLA, I'm a member of the Near Northwest Steering Committee, and I just wanted to express my strong support today for the plan submitted by CPD. Our neighborhood has had strong representation from Chaffee Park, Sunnyside, Highland, and Jefferson Park. And we're a diverse group of residents, business owners, nonprofits, and neighborhood associations. And we are so grateful that we were chosen to be among the earliest participants in the neighborhood planning initiative. Denver's Northside has a rich history reflecting the diversity of the city. And you probably couldn't find four more distinct neighborhoods in Denver to work together on one plan. This process started in July of 2021 and concluded in November of 23. And we participated in regular monthly meetings for more than two years as well as regular ad hoc meetings for specific topics that needed a bit more discussion. And I just wanna give a shout out to CPD staff, uh, particularly Sung. Um, they have all been amazing throughout this process. They occasionally moderated spirited conversations and they were always willing to lend an ear or spend a few minutes or even hours entertaining sidebar discussions with the group. So we're uh, very excited to move this vision forward through the processes of plan adoption and implementation ahead of us. So um, thanks again, and hopefully you'll uh, move forward on this plan. Thank you very much. That concludes our speakers. Are there questions from members of council on Council Bill 23-1939? If I could ask Nola to come up and finish her uh, comments that she wanted to make. Finish what I had. Okay. <laughs> um, I think I wanted to just reflect a little bit about the planning process with the four neighborhoods, because I, I I was a big part of the Globeville and then the Leary Swansea neighborhood planning processes, and those were so much more in depth. Um, whereas it felt like with the four neighborhoods, we never got like there were so many things that I think like Chaffee Park neighbors wanted to talk about that we never really got to get into, and like. Mejor que nada, right? Like better than nothing, but but um, I wish that we could that, that it was a little bit deeper for each neighborhood. And then it's also tough to like like especially Jefferson Park was tough for me because I'm like I don't know Jefferson Jefferson Park that well. And then to be on a steering committee where you're making decisions in some ways about some of those things that that's tough. But then we did get into housing, for instance, way more than we did in Golvillier's Swansea plans or things like that. So there's there's pros and cons, but I think um, uh, the implementation piece is now, I know um, Council, uh, Council Pro Tem Sandoval um, was, you know, had that line item 
in the budget about implementation for plans. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important. And it's it's for actual projects, but also for the the building the implementation structure um, for like like for instance, really getting a land trust going. Um, getting having some funds to get that going would be a great next step. In in GES, we also had a health impact assessment done at the same time, and then all the recommendations for the health impact assessment, we we had a working group that we met with after the plan was passed every month and would update um, on where we're at and the different recommendations. Um, so something like that, that's like, because, you know, the plan talks about the Chicano movement, the history, This th that movement isn't gone. <laughs> you know, we still have the same things and we need to keep moving on things and connect the spirit of the community with what's actually happening in the implementation development of our community. Great, thank you so much, Nola. All right, seeing no one else in queue, the public hearing is closed. Comments by members of council on 1939. We'll start with Councilwoman Sandoval. Thank you, Madam President. <clears throat> I have um, some comments that I'd like to make. So everyone just please bear with me. Um, so this neighborhood plan is a labor of love. Um, born and raised in Northwest Denver. Um, spent my whole entire life here. It's an honor to be the council person representing the adoption of this plan. Um, as Nola mentioned, it was challenging to have four distinct neighborhoods um, all come together and figure out what was best for all four of them. Um, there were very spirited conversations. There were some people who um, didn't feel like their voices were heard and left the planning process and new people stepped in. And that is what community is about, right? Sometimes you can't do it all, and so you have to step away and have other people step in for you. Um, I believe that the Near Northwest Plan provides a vision that respects and honors the past and accommodates the inevitable change, changes that are part of our history and future. I think about when I grew up, um, off of 36, where I grew up um, in one of the neighborhoods, um, 36th and Vallejo, my block looks very different than it did. My um, family's restaurant is surrounded by things that look very different. And when I talk, I always talk about the next seven generations of Denverites. And so I believe that this plan does <clears throat> um, accommodate the future of the next seven generations of Denverites. It lays a foundation for future regulation and funding to achieve the community goals that were included in the plan that came from the community. It talks about, it goes down into some very um, nuanced ideas. There is in Nola's neighborhood, Chaffee Park, there are no city amenities. There is a beautiful park called Zunai Park. And what would it look like if we had a rec center and a library at Zunai Park? So it does call out, has a lot of specificity of that, um, in that nature. Um, I also believe that it will, if implemented correctly, it will create a mix of attainable housing along transit corridors that complement the existing built environment. It will help increase the missing middle without compromising neighborhood integrity and leading to dis displacement. And most importantly, it will impact um, redlining took place in my neighborhood. My mom worked for a nonprofit that helped with redlining. 
hopefully it will get rid of some of those residual effects of those races, racial, racial, racist practices that we had in Denver of redlining and put sidewalks where sidewalks are due. It's interesting if you look at the redlining map of Denver and you put where the sidewalk map is, they match up. So we have missing sidewalks in places that were redlined and we are still currently dealing with that. Um, the, it calls out preservation. It has a preservation bonus policy and it uh, calls out incentives for adaptive reuse. Um, so it has really, really good tools that I hope we as a council can put our money where our mouth is. So when we're talking about the 2025 budget, you're gonna continue to hear me talk about the need to have money to implement these neighborhood plans. This is the second neighborhood plan I've worked on since being elected. I had the honor of working on the West neighborhood plan and you need money to implement these plans because all they are is a vision document if you don't have the money to implement them. Last but not least, it talks about legacy businesses. And this is near and dear to my heart because the businesses of Northwest Denver are the fabric of my neighborhood. Um, people always often talk to me about how that everyone from the city comes to the north side for all of these amazing restaurants. We have everything from a Michelin star restaurant down to a place where you can get tamales, down to a place where you can get takeout. Um, so it is really our legacy businesses are really the fabric of Northwest Denver. And so I hope that we continue to fund programs such as the Department of Economic Development to make sure that we understand, that the business owners understand how essential these assets are. In conclusion, I hope that you all support the Near Northwest Neighborhood Plan. And I would just like to give a shout out to all the residents who participated, the promovedores who went door to door to get, make sure that we had language access. I'd like to thank the businesses in the Sunnyside along Platte River and Central Street the registered neighborhood organizations of Chaffee Park, Sunny United Neighbors, Highland United Neighbors, Jefferson Park United Neighbors, the many nonprofits, Denver Housing Authority, Bienvenidos, um, Mayor Johnston, former Mayor Hancock, Community Planning and Development, thank you, Sung, for your leadership, Cortland, thank you for your leadership, Fernando, Scott, Will, Thank you, Puma, for your leadership. My former council aide, Naomi, left halfway through this plan and now works for Puma and Brad at, and helped on this plan. So thank you to Brad and Naomi. Thank you, Cheney, for being here and all your great um, foundational work that you did on the plan for all the, the um, workbooks that you did that I like read back and forth and told everybody about and will continue to use in my work. And last but not least, my staff. None of this can do that unless you have an amazing staff. Thank you, Gina Volpe, for all your steadfast leadership in my office and making sure I was always at every meeting. Thank you, Melissa, for making sure that the plan had everything I needed in it. Thank you for having it as a favorite on your desktop. I see you and want to just acknowledge all the hard work you did. And thank you, Alessandra and Andrew who were at, came in at the very end, but participated in the steering group committee meetings and helped us get here. And with that, I just ask that all of you please support this tonight. It is, as Noah said, it is a labor of love. It really truly is. And once again, 
I'm going to continue for the next three years to make sure that we implement this plan with our budget dollars. It is only as good as we come back in 20 in the fall with budget to implement this neighborhood plan. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much, Councilwoman Parity. Yeah, I just wanna thank everybody involved for the kind of the richness and um, thoughtfulness that went into this plan. Um, it's a lot of really fine grain thinking about how do you balance between neighborhood character, the need for density, cost, like all these things that I think are just, I guess speaking personally, one of the hardest things about our job is um, trying to um, not let, not do things in a quick way where one of those goals kind of cuts against the other. Um, so literally I'm sending like page numbers to my aides as we're sitting here and um, I, I can see the degree of work and I think this is gonna be a go-to document for me as I'm thinking about um, how do we how do we do anti-displacement? How do we do land use? How do we um, do affordability that also um, is climate conscious by preserving existing structures? All those things, it's all in here. So thank you so much for a very masterful document. Thank you, Council Minheim. Thank you, Council President. Um, I, when I first started, there was a East Central Area Plan already underway and um, COVID changed a lot of uh, directions, timelines, um, processes and uh, and we did make it to the other end of the East Central Area Plan, ended up adopting it. Um, and I, I wanna thank um, Puma for shepherding the East Central Area Plan through to completion. And, uh, and I can see that uh, this plan having uh, so few people uh, come to testify uh, I think that demonstrates the the level of commitment, the level of acceptance, and the amount of work that went into making this uh, conversation tonight such an easy one. So um, thank you uh, to our council sponsor um, and, uh, and to Puma and to all of those who work so hard for it. Thank you. Councilwoman Gonzalez Gutierrez. Thank you, Madam President. I just wanna add and, and give my thanks to um, the community um, for people showing up and to your point, Nola, like you don't get paid to do this work, um, but it comes from a place of you know, love for your community and, and wanting to see um, it flourish and wanting to see um, the future and things from even the past not be forgotten and to remember where we came from. And I do wanna thank um, Council Pro Tem Sandoval we're, we're both um, Northsiders from the North side. And so I appreciate um, how you just made sure and took care and, and did this with care, right? And, and knowing the history um, of, of the communities. So I just wanna extend my gratitude. Thank you. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much. Um, uh, just a quick couple of comments. The draft I'm looking at online is um, almost just over 230 pages and it's quite a bit. And I think Song, you pointed to the executive summary as a really good place to start to figure out kind of where did the recommendations lie. And I, I have to agree, I really like the matrix of that executive uh, summary and how you were able to um, uh, frame up for folks. If you're interested in a particular area, um, going across that matrix and being able to see which recommendations under land use, under housing, under mobility and under quality of life um, are associated with that that issue area. And so that makes it really easy to see. And then um, all the way section six, which is at the very end of the document, the neighborhood profiles I think are really rich. And so I appreciate 
um, uh, being able for, for folks being able to go to those to get kind of a, a quick rundown of what's in this report, why does it matter to me if I live in one neighborhood and not all four, um, and, uh, and what, what we might see to get excited about. So thank you for that, for the organization of the report and Councilwoman Sandoval, congratulations. Um, seeing no one else in queue, Madam Secretary, roll call on Bill 23-1939. Alvises? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Gonzalez Gutierrez? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cash? Cashman? <laughs> Perry? Oh, yeah. Cash. That's a duck for six o'clock. Oh, Johnny. Parody? Aye. Tamara Campbell? Aye. Sandoval? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Watson? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Madam Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 11 ayes. 11 ayes. Council Bill 23-1939 has passed. Thank you very much, CPD. Um, there, we have no pre-adjournment announcement. There being no further business before this body, this meeting's adjourned.